Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. glad you're here today. And so we're going to talk about bitterness today. Bitterness. I uh, was getting ready to hit the next part of Acts and where Philip has this miraculous experience with uh, this Ethiopian man and shares the gospel with him. We're going to talk about that next week, though, uh, because as I was still going through what we preached on the last, last week, there's a phrase in Acts chapter 8, verse 22, verse 23, that says this, um, says, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Now, this verse comes from a context of where uh, Philip, is, excuse me, Peter is speaking to a guy named Simon, and Simon is wanting to, uh, he's a sorcerer, and he's wanting to have this power to, to lay hands on people so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. He's not asking for the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, Lord, here's my heart, and uh, fill me with your spirit, he's like, I want this power because this would be good for me. You know, he was, a, he was well known in his world for having this power, and now Peter and John and the Christians with this Holy Spirit are coming in and stealing his thunder, if you will, and he wanted power for himself, and Peter rebukes him. He's like, your heart is a long way from God. In fact, you're full of bitterness and captive of sin. And as I kept looking over that, I thought, man, that's, that's me sometimes. That's the world around us. I can see bitterness that is just in the world. We really struggle with this in a lot of ways. And if we're not careful, it can lead us to be captive to sin. Bitterness can also lead to some funny memes, if you will. Here's a couple. Uh, the two best times to keep your mouth shut are when you're swimming and when you're angry. That's pretty good. I like that. Um, bitterness can also lead you to think something like this. Like some people are like clouds. When they disappear, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Maybe another funny one like this, if you are bitter and angry, it's like, when you get angry, count to ten. And when you get to eight, throw a punch that nobody expects. <laughs> From a Christian standpoint, though, I like that one a lot. <laughs> I feel that one sometimes. I don't do it. I'm just being honest. But this is the one from a Christian standpoint. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is from Lee Strobel. If you're a follower of Jesus, but you feel distant from him during this era of your life, if you're having difficulty resting easy in his forgiveness, could it be because you're blatantly refusing to let go of your animosity toward another person? Mm. Sometimes that bitterness holds us captive to where we can't feel close to God. Feel distant from you. Maybe, maybe that's one thing that could be in your life. Because Peter told Simon, repent. He said, repent of this wickedness. And Peter also speaks to Christians in this way at different parts of the scripture as well. And Paul does the same thing. Like, repent. You have to change your ways and get this bitterness away from you. We have a choice when it comes to bitterness. We can either drink it or we can refuse it. We can either 
just enjoy that drink of bitterness and, and, and just take it all in and allow it to poison us, or we can refuse it and we can do something different instead. Some things that, some ways that you may be struggling with bitterness, if, if, which is an evil, when we talk about bitterness here, it is an evil that can be infiltrating our hearts and just individually and collectively as well. Like sometimes we as a group can be angry and bitter about something that's going on. Individually, I think it's a lot easier for us to grasp um, that concept as well, but it's an evil or wickedness that has to be rooted out of our hearts. And when we talk about the church, just to remind people, the church isn't the building that we meet in. I think most of you here understand that. The church is the people. We are the church, the collective. The, the followers of Jesus are the church. And so when we root it out, we don't root it out of an organization, but root it out of our own hearts. And so that's a, a work that we have to do. So here's some signs that you may struggle with bitterness. If you if you want them, the person you have animosity towards, if you want them to get their justice today, then that's a sign that you may be struggling with bitterness. If you also can't get over, I just want my side to be heard. I want to be heard. Or I, I want my hurt acknowledged. I want to have this acknowledged. That's a sign of bitterness. When you want to have vindication in front of the people who doubt you or who doubt your integrity... That is a sign of bitterness. And when you want it today, and that's kind of all you think about, that's another sign. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this bitterness. It says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So this bitterness is, is a root that has to be gotten rid of because if it's not taken out, it's going to grow and fester and it's going to turn into other things. It's going to lead you to be captive to sin that we talked about earlier. But it's also going to not only defile yourself with causing you to be distant from God and to struggle in captivity to sin, but it's going to defile people around you as well. It's going to harm them. And so it's something that we must see to it that no one falls short of this grace of God and that this bitter root doesn't grow and cause trouble. Deuteronomy chapter 29 talks about this as well. There's a lot of verses about these, but these are some that, some that I chose. But it says, Make sure that no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord. Let me start over again. I think I read that wrong. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today, whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go to worship the gods of those nations. So he's speaking that there's one true God of Israel. He's like, make sure your heart doesn't turn away from this one true God. And then he says, make sure there is no root among you that produces such what? Bitter, and he says poison. This bitter poison that's in there. He said, bitterness is like a poison. You know, It doesn't take a lot of poison to kill someone. Did you guys know that if you grind up cherry seeds, pits, that that's where cyanide comes from? I neither, until I watched the Ozark. <laughs> With spoiler alert. Um, and so, but anyway, it, it, yeah, that is the thing. If you swallow a cherry pit, you're going to be fine. It has to be ground up, whatever. But anyway, the, the, it doesn't take much of that to, to kill a person. 
because the poison is so strong. And the same thing goes with bitterness. If there's this poison, and there's a reason they're referring to this, it's because this bitterness can be really small. And it can have this devastating effect on your life and the lives of those around you. So he says, make sure, see to it. Remember, Hebrews says, see to it. And it's saying, make sure there's no root among you that produces such bitter poison. There's some ways, uh, four quick ways that I'm just going to kind of, if you want to write these down, you can, but four quick ways that you can combat bitterness when you do see it. And you, I, I believe we're all going to see it if we really look in like, oh, there's, there's a smidgen of it here, or maybe it's obvious to see. Maybe you really struggle with bitterness today. And so what you can do is, is look at these four things here. Number one, this will help soothe your soul and lead you back to that grace of God that you need to get to. Number one, God already knows everything. God already knows. You don't have to have them come to justice. You don't have to have all these things. You don't have to have your, uh, the, the people that are doubting you. You don't have to have them acknowledge your hurt or your pain or that you were right. God already knows. And so that's what is very comforting because the one who really matters, the one who is the true judge, he already knows. Number one, God already knows. Number two, God sees their heart. He sees their heart. He's not fooled. And he also sees your heart. God sees their heart and yours. It's easy sometimes to, to be overly affected by what other people think. And we desire them to think something about us. But understand, God already knows and God sees their heart. He knows if it's good or bad. And he sees your, your heart and knows if it's good or bad too. The third thing is more humbling is that I have also caused hurt. I've done things that have hurt people before. That's a very humbling thing. And what that does is it leads me to the grace of God. If it weren't for the grace of God, I would still be hurting others. If it weren't for the grace of God, I would not be forgiven. And so it's good to acknowledge I've also caused hurt. And the fourth one is this. I must refuse the cup of bitterness. It's on me. I have to refuse to drink that cup. I have to refuse to drink that cup of bitterness. I chose that language because when there is um, the scripture where Jesus is going to the cross, and there's a couple times in the scripture where he's offered wine during the, the crucifixion, during the process of all that happening. The first one, he was offered wine that had myrrh in it. And that was to dull the pain. Usually the criminals that were going to, um, the criminals that had been chosen to go to crucifixion, they would be given this opportunity to drink this, and it would be like a sedative for them. It would help them not suffer so much. Jesus refused to drink that. He refused to drink it because he wanted the full capacity of understanding what he was doing, that he was going to the cross, that he was going to be, instead of drinking that, cup, he was going to be drinking every ounce of the of God's wrath. He was going to be paying, taking on the penalty of our sin. And he did not want to be dulled by that. So he refused that first one, which was to dull you. The, the senses to help crucifixion not be so intolerable. The second time he refused it was here, in Matthew chapter 27. He's on the cross at this point, and there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. A second wine was different. This was more of a cruel wine to give 
people on the cross. It was one that would actually cause them to live longer. It had this bitterness to it, and it would cause them to increase their pain or increase the length of time that they would have their pain. And Jesus refused to drink both of these. He refused to drink it, I think for, for a few reasons, but one of the things that I would just highlight from this is that bitterness is like that second wine. The more we drink from it, the more it's going to prolong our pain. The more it's going to just hit those buttons within us, push those buttons within us, that's going to activate this sense of revenge and wanting to have justice in my way and in my time. And it's going to cause us to prolong that pain, not only for ourselves, but for the pain of those around us. The second wine was a sour wine that's mixed with gall. And it was to keep Jesus conscious longer to prolong the pain. And that's what bitterness does to us. The only way for us to get past this bitterness is by the grace of God and by turning to God. And Lamentations chapter 3 is a, a wonderful uh, kind of way to bring this all together. Look at this. It, it, it talks about it. It's, it's just it's, it's amazing how connected Scripture is. You know, it's not just the Gospels and, you know, just rare accounts or whatever, or miscellaneous or, or random. Random. Thank you. Good night. It was, couldn't get there. Random thoughts put together on paper, but it's so connected. And so what we see here in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see also here in Lamentations, which is way back in the Old Testament. It says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. I've been there before. I remember these things, and I'm just down, and I'm just focused on these things, and I'm drinking that sour wine. Yet this, I have to make a choice, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Instead of drinking that wine, I'm going to refuse. I'm going to take, oh, that's bitter. And I'm going to, like Jesus turned away, I'm going to turn away. This is what I remember. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The way we find victory over bitterness is the way we find victory over any sin is by turning away from that thing which is, has become the, the idol of our life, that we need to have this and we need to turn from needing to have this to Jesus and saying, I need Jesus and I have Jesus. The Lord is my portion. He's my portion, not what he gives me. But he is my portion. He is my portion. I will wait for him. I'm not waiting just for his justice. I'm waiting for him. His time, his justice, his love, his mercies, his grace and mercies are new every morning. And the final thought here is that I have is a, is a quote from Tim Keller. And 
this is not the quote, sorry. I just wanted to leave that verse up there. But the quote from Tim Keller, he, he talks about this mindset of having something that takes the place of God, and he calls it the if only. If you have something you're like, if only I had this, if only I had this, if, if only this would happen, if only this would happen. He said you have to replace those if onlys with something else, with, with the worship of God. For example, he said, if only there's a new fire burning within you, it needs to be like this. If only I saw the Lord. If only he was close to my heart. If only I could feel him to be as great as I know him to be. If only I could taste his grace as sweet as I know it to be. You see the different yearnings there? I'm not yearning for justice. I'm not yearning for vengeance. I'm not yearning to get my vindication. I'm not yearning for those things. I'm yearning not even for the things of God. I'm yearning for him only. I want him. I want to taste his grace. I I want to experience his grace that I know here is great. I know in my mind that his grace is new every morning, but I want to taste that. I want to experience that. And that's my heart's yearning today is that I want that for you and I want that for me. And I want us to, to yearn for the Lord instead of the things of the world. Because when your heart is on fire for knowing and experiencing God, then you're going to be set free. You won't be captive to bitterness and you won't be captive to sin. You're going to walk in a new freedom because that's who God is. That's the hope that you have. That's the hope that I have is that we don't have to be caught in these things. God has given us a choice. And in just a moment, we're going to go to the communion table. And instead of drinking sour wine of bitterness, we're going to drink the wine that is the blood of Christ, that is a new covenant that God says, I love you, I will never forsake you, and I've given you victory, and it's promised forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you so much that you are a compassionate, merciful loving God who is not susceptible to being fooled and strong. God who is strong, who is able to to see through to the finish your mission, just like Jesus did on the cross, Lord. So Jesus, we bless you. We love you. We thank you for uh, providing this new wine for us that we can drink of in those moments where we feel like we want to drink that bitter wine, may we remember what you did on the cross. And may that inspire us and fuel us to know that you did that. You did that for us. You wanted your mind to be so clear and your heart was so pure. You stayed faithful to the Father. You stayed faithful to the mission that you were called to until what we might call the bitter end. But Lord, we're thankful that that end was not the end. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you for the new life that you've secured for us through the resurrection. So we come to your table in just a moment and we drink of this new wine. We ask that our hearts would be new wineskins today. That we would repent and confess any bitterness, 
that may be toward a person. And Father, please forgive us for any bitterness that we may have toward you. Or we feel like you've not come through for us or, or not answered a prayer the way we believe you should. We bless you. And we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.